Good morning. So if you're here for the first time, we sing a song. It's a bit of a chant that takes us into an affirmative prayer. It's actually a prayer as well. And uh, the words will be over my shoulder on the screen. Many know the song and are invited to sing along. It's called In This Very Room. So let's continue to pray as my heart goes deeper. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very And so I invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment. If they don't fit, just let them wash over you. But I recognize in this two or more, where two or more are in agreement, it is done. And so if silently and inwardly these words resonate with you, then all that is required is a, a silent yes. I recognize this one life, spirit's life, God's life, divine life. It goes by many names, and designators in, in language, but it is an experience. It is love, beauty. It is the vibration of the Most High. It is us being lifted up from the inside out. And so I claim that in this moment on behalf of each person here, but in the I am, that that life is my life. And I know that each time I turn my awareness and open my heart to that experience, I am shifted and changed. I know that something is being done unto me that I welcome and celebrate that there's a vibrancy that moves through me that impacts all of my physical cells, everyone moved into a divine right accord in balance and harmony. Where I have been hanging on, I release. Where I have been restricting the flow of life, wherever part of my physical being, wherever there's tightness, I breathe into it and I allow this infinite divine presence to have its way by means of myself. I know that mentally that anything that restricts the muchness and the beauty of life. I have the awareness and consciousness to look at, to look at it long enough so it no longer has power over me. And so that I continue to choose and discern in a beautiful, wonderful way. And I give thanks for this deep abiding connection with spirit that continues to grow moment by moment, breath by breath. And should I forget, I can come back to it at any moment for this is my activity in co-creation with the divine. And so I release these words knowing that you and I are the sons and daughters of the living God and there's nothing that you and I can ever do to change that. For this I give thanks. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation for all the blessings that reveal themselves this day. This day of the clean slate. This day of the intention word, that, that word that calls me to a greater yet to be and gives me a touchstone it reminds me to come back to this idea, to this moment, beautifully and perfectly. 
And so I know Spirit is working through us and for us and as us. I release these words and that gratitude and appreciation, and together we say, and so it is. All right. Here we are. Beautiful. So we've been using uh, this beautiful book by Benjamin Zander and Rosamund Zander uh, called uh, The Art of Possibility, and today is The Framework of Possibility. And you'll notice the first slide, there's a fellow walking a tightrope, the, the framework of possibility. It looks like it gets a little hairier as he moves forward, which can feel like a great metaphor for our lives where the, the forward, the forward <clears throat> movement looks a bit impossible. Anybody ever felt like that? Yeah. One person over here on my left, so we talk to you. Uh, but we've all felt like that at times, that it looks so vast and, and uh, uh, difficult. Xander says this, he said, the foremost challenge for leaders today, and, and I'm going to play a, a short video of his in a moment, but we're all leaders, and he describes it beautifully. But accepting that, uh, that theory in this moment, the foremost challenge for leaders today is to maintain the clarity, to stand confidently in the abundant universe of possibility. No matter how fierce the competition, no matter how stark the necessity to go for the short-term goal, no matter how fearful people are and no matter how urgently the wolf may appear to howl at the door, it is to have the courage and persistence to distinguish the downward spiral from the radiant realm of possibility in the face of any challenge. And the downward spiral is very popular. If you read the newspaper, you're online. I get the Edmonton Journal online and I read, there's articles there that I like to look at. And if you've noticed, there's a lot of uh, concerns right now about the local economy. And the, but, but there's always cycles. There's always economic cycles, are there not? And things are always moving and shifting and, and changing. And I'm not saying that, that we don't, some of that won't determine how we move forward. But also to understand that when we, we slip into this um, Mindset of survival, we're limiting the other part of us, which is possibility. So it's, I think it's practical to say, well, I don't want to spend money I don't have. You know, we go through that as a community as well. And, um, and we go through that personally. You know, well, we, Laura and I have a commitment to being very uh, diligent with what we have and, and uh, more so than ever before because we realize that to be part of this teaching also requires to, to manage resources well. So don't spend what you don't have and, and plan well, and, but, but also to realize that there are cycles, that we, we cycle through these things and so many people will tell you that it's, you know, that it's doom and gloom or whatever it may be. And if, if you've lost jobs, see what I think is what, a beautiful opportunity for this community is I can think of no better place where I would like to land if I have lost my job than a place like this where we can, we, we can nurture and, and help give birth to the greater yet to be. Because all the cycles are opportunities for us to, to slow down and reassess and then to, and reset our trajectory. So we're going to do some work this day around this. Uh, we have the, you've been given the golden threads of, of yarn when you came in and we have some tiles up here. And in a little few minutes, I'm going to invite you to come up and, and uh, take some tiles. So, but I wanted to talk a bit about first why this is important and, and to share a few ideas that I think can inspire us and, and create the field of possibility. Because there's certain states of being that are more uh, available to the, the divine guidance that we're immersed in than others. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to share with you right now, there's a picture up there. I've got a, uh, the quote by Xander for the foremost challenge for leaders. There's, 
to maintain the clarity to stand confidently in the abundant universe of possibility, no matter how fierce the competition, no matter how stark the necessity to go for the short-term goal. And then the other half of it, no matter how fearful people are, and no matter how urgently the wolf may appear to howl at the door, is to have the courage and the persistence to distinguish the downward spiral from the radiant realm of possibility in the face of any challenge. Because the tendency can be, even within community, let's maintain the status quo. You know, there's a wonderful book called Transitions, and I was reminded of it this week, that any environment, I was talking to one of my peers, I was doing prayer work last night with one of my mentors and teachers, and I'm still in in contact with them. There have been amazing teachers I've had in my life. And he had done ministry for about 20 years, and, uh, and then he retired, and he writes books, and he travels, and he speaks. But he was talking to me about his experience in community, and he said about every seven years within spiritual community, there's cycles. And you'll see, you'll see people leave and you'll see new people show up. And he said the tendency in transitions, he said the tendency is when you're going through the transition where there's the void, and we're certainly not in a void, but we're in a, a huge spurt of transition. The tendency is to want to fix it and patch it up and, and to do the things that you used to do, which just takes you back to where you were. And so it's to stand in the faith and realize oh, there's a greater yet to be happening here. There's a possibility. We're called to do something as a community. I mean, the world is hungry for what we, we have, I believe. The world is hungry for this. And, and it's available in so many different, there's so many wonderful teachers on the planet that people resonate with. And who am I to say that's not effective or that's not valuable when they're speaking the same language or they're embodying the same consciousness of possibility? It's like, man, we have never had people, so many people alive and awake on this planet as we do now. That's one of the great things. And to stand in that tribe. But then to say, oh, geez, you know, so-and-so is not here anymore. Well, there's a problem. When in fact what we teach is, and I said this to my friend last night, I said, I think transition is part of what we teach. People come and they get the healing, they get the awareness, they get the resources, and then they go on with their lives. And it's not to say that we don't welcome people unconditionally. Well, thanks for showing up, but, but use us. Don't abuse us, but use us and get what you can use so that you can give birth to the greater possibility. But we are not the Catholic Church. I can go home to, and go to Mass with my mother, and it'll be the same people sitting there that were sitting there when I was a kid. Nothing's changed in their lives. And there's nothing wrong with that because people are drawn to that. It's beautiful. And I'm not saying we have to be transient. But we have to understand that everybody's got their own divine path to live and to move on and to celebrate that, whether it be for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. One of the great wisdoms that was given to me years ago, and I, you know, I'd see this going on when I had a little small little church in Southern California. People come for six weeks and they disappear. Oh, they don't love me anymore. Well, that's just small thinking. They didn't, they, they didn't even know me. But that's how what we can fall into. They're not here anymore. Well, good. Maybe they got what they needed and now they're out moving and shaking and doing what they should be doing. You go, man. I had a buddy that was in Vietnam years ago, you know, the Vietnam War, and I grew up in that era and I was old enough to go, but fortunately my draft number was too high. That's when they started the lottery. And he used to talk about slogging through the swamps of Vietnam with his rifle over his head, trying to keep his ammunition dry. He's, he was in the Marine Corps. And he said, and this was back in the early days when there weren't a lot of resources, if these, these fighter jets would go over his head, like, you know, at treetop level, just supersonic. And he said, take your breath away. And he said, I'd stand there in the mud up to my armpits and say, what am I doing? And he'd look up and say, you go, baby, you go. But it was just for him, he said, it, it reinforced his sense of of that he wasn't alone, even though, you know, that, that, that whole war thing is such a, 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 such a poor use of our energy and time, but so popular. But it's, it's for us as well. We're here to say, you go, baby. You go. Man, soar. 
Go do your thing. So here's the downward spiral. I've got a picture of that for you. This was actually moving. It was giving me a little bit. I was getting a little dizzy looking at it last night. I was putting it together. So the downward spiral is this, this idea of, of survival at all costs. Survival at all costs. And then that becomes our, our, our uh, opportunity. I want to play a video for you right now. This is Benjamin Zander. It's a few minutes. And he talks about, he's due, it's 2009. And he talks a bit about this book he's written. And he tells some beautiful stories in it that I think articulate and set us up for this, uh, this word that we're going to pick today. This opportunity to let the word uh, bubble up for us. The book is called The Art of Possibility, and The Art of Possibility is a practice. I want to give you a story. Two shoe salesmen were sent from Manchester to, to Africa in the 1900s to discover if they could sell shoes. One of them wrote a telegram back saying, situation hopeless, they don't wear shoes. The other one wrote, glorious opportunity, they don't have any shoes yet. <laughs> now, those two telegrams come from different places. Situation hopeless, they don't wear shoes. That goes along with the whole language. If it's not possible, it can't be done, others are better. It's the place for competition, for success, for failure, for all those things that we measure in what we call the downward spiral. The other statement lives over here. I have to get a red pencil. The other one lives over here. Glorious opportunity. They don't have any shoes yet. And that goes with a different language and also a different body language. Situation hopeless. They don't have any shoes. Glorious opportunity. They don't have any shoes yet. Those two worlds are completely distinct worlds. Now, in this world, possibility lives as luck. We might have it, we might not. Over here, possibility is the norm. Spirituality is the norm. They are totally separate, different worlds. And the shoe salesman, the two of them, have conditions that are identical. The conditions don't matter. What matters is the words that they speak and the expression that they make. My father used to say, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate clothing. <laughs> so that is a way of experiencing that in that. There is no recession so great that it precludes possibility, and there is no wealth and power and fame that will protect you from falling into the downward spiral. So it's available for everybody. There's a lot of complaining going on right at the moment during the financial meltdown, as they call it. I want to tell you a little story about my father who came from Germany in 1937 having lost everything. All his belongings, his mother killed in Auschwitz, 14 other members of the family killed. He lost everything, his house, his belongings, his money, his profession, everything. And he came to England with four children to support and a wife. And incidentally, I never heard him complain at all. I said, aren't you angry? And he said, ah, I discovered a person can't live a life under the shadow of bitterness. He was then interned in a camp 
for two years on the Isle of Man. And there there were many people, 2,000 men living in tents in a state of terrible upset, having lost, like he, everything in a foreign country, in war and uncertainty and different language and horrendous situation. And most of them were in a state of total depression, staring at the barbed wire fence the whole day. And my father said, there are a lot of intelligent people here. We should start a university. And they did. And 40 classes met regularly. There were no books. There was no chalk. There was no paper. There was no blackboard. And they had 40 classes. Yesterday at the reception, I met a gentleman who said, my father was in that university. So it isn't the circumstances that are crucial. It's what we say about the circumstances that matter. And we can either decide to live here or over there. This is the first morning of the World Economic Forum. And now we know that we can make a choice. And so my invitation is that we make the choice not over here, but over here. We can choose and we can spend the week in that discussion. This is a matter of leadership. Leadership in the sense that every time you open your mouth, you are being a leader. You have a choice in leadership, whether you speak over here or speak over here. How will you live your choice today? A great story. I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, this is, and, and, and so his, the legacy that he brings is his grandfather, or his father, that lost everything. And then here you're, can you imagine, surrounded by barbed wire and somebody has the idea, hey, we got all this, we got all this um, knowledge. Let's have a university. I mean, how many people would think that way? So he said, people depressed, staring at the barbed wire fence that have lost everything, families murdered. You know, Laura's reading uh, Albert Einstein's uh, a biography by um, Walter Isaacson, who's written some great, great books. I love his writing. I'm going to read it next, but I'm trying to stay ahead of you guys with stuff I have to read. So, But in it, Einstein, one of the things that happened in Germany was that, you know, and, and uh, Einstein, when, they, when Hitler decided that the Jews were the problem, they were also the intellectuals. They had a lot of the information. And, and it had to, he not done what he did, they would have had the atomic bomb first because so many of them left. And, and then, of course, and not that I'm promoting the atomic bomb, but could you imagine that environment of, of, of uh, competition and, and brutality to have such a weapon? So in a way, it was such a blessing that he drove out the intellectuals and gifted us and, and helped bring the, the balance of, of, of sanity back to the world. And, you know, who knows if we're, we're still working on that, but it's fascinating how life works. And then also the words, you know, leadership is the word. So do we speak the, the language of possibility or do we continue to, to look back and say, you know, I've made mistakes, it's hopeless. It's just hopeless. Because a lot of people fall into that. Oh my gosh. <sighs> used to be so great when I went to the Oilers game. Remember when Gretzky played and they always won all the games? And, you know, I mean, that's such an apparent example. I know that the sports example isn't great, but, you know, there's, you know, that sport, I, you know I, I fall into the trap of listening to AM radio a lot, and they talk about the hockey team all day long. It's like, my God, it's like, give these guys a break. I know they need defensemen. They're working on it, you know, and they talk about it and talk about it, and people call and complain. It's like, but, but people love that, and, and to me, it's a boondoggle. It's like, okay, I get it. So I go over to the FM. I listen to the French channel. Laura laughs at me now, but I'm learning French, listening to French radio. I know the, I know the, I know the, the way the vowels sound now. I don't know what any of it means, but I figure it's a step in the right direction. I'm going to listen to something I don't know because this brings me joy. And I'm like, ooh, listen to that phrase. And it's, it's so sexy, if you know what I mean, you know? 
So that's where I am when I'm driving around listening to French. <clears throat> so anyway, I want to share this story with you. It's a wonderful example of possibility and leadership. So Benjamin Zander's worked with musicians his whole life, and he takes a group of, of teenagers, this youth uh, symphony orchestra from New England, the conservatory, and they go down to Brazil. They go to Sao Paulo. And um, as they're there, they give this amazing concert. Amazing, amazing concert. And all these teens are like pumped up. They've had this standing ovations. They've had this incredible experience. And so they go back to the hotel. Well, they're 16, 15, 16, 17 years old. They're all excited. And so what happens, they get back to the hotel and he receives a complaint in the morning that the four of them were up on the roof of the hotel disturbing the guests because they were so loud and boisterous and having fun. And the, and the chaperones are just appalled that they took along with all these kids. How dare these kids do this? You know, this is not... And so then they found another four down somewhere in a part of Sao Paulo they weren't supposed to be. So long story short, they get them all and he decides the next day he needs to get everybody together because they've had this incredible concert that, that, the night before and they've had this incredible experience and they've got two more concerts to do that day. And so some of these kids have been up all night and so the chaperones want him to lower the boom on him. And so he calls his wife and he says to her, Roseman, who's back in Boston, he says, what, what distinction shall we make here that will bring possibility to the situation? So right away it's like, okay, what, what's going to serve the greatest good? <clears throat> and he said, he began, to, he said, I wanted to talk about purpose, commitment, and vision that are distinctions of, that radiate possibility. And so he got them all in the hall together, and the kids that, that had screwed up, you know, the ones that stayed out all night and, and caused trouble and made noise, they all sat in the back. You know, I remember sitting in the back all the time. because In the back row, I got to tell you, it's so hard to entertain, but I still was able to do it as when I was sitting in the back row, right? So anyway, he said, summoned to the auditorium, the, diff the diffident young players sat as far back as possible, their teenage bodies in various postures of exhaustion and protest. Well, they've been up all night, and they know they're, they're, they're there probably to be scolded, Every face, innocent or maleficent, reflected that they were about to receive a well-deserved dressing down. And so he began. Last night, after the concert, I began. A woman came to me and told me with absolute honesty that the two hours she spent listening to Mahler's Fifth Symphony had been the most beautiful two hours of her entire life. And they're like, well, these blank stares. What's he talking about? He says, you gave a great performance last night, and she was not the only one moved and changed by it. And their faces looked blank for a moment as though they could not hear these words that were so unexpected. And after a pause, I went on. What else did you come here to offer the Brazilian people? And he just threw that question out. And all of a sudden, these young people said, well, one by one from various parts of the hall came the answers to the question. We came to show them the best of America. That great music is a way of communicating friendship and love. We came to show respect for Brazil, that teenagers can make great music, that music can be fun, that we're happy to be here. He said, by now the answers were coming from all the corners and all the faces were lit up. He said, when exuberance and ease were palpable throughout the room, so he created the environment of gratitude and celebration. And all of a sudden, they were captured by that. And they were reminded of the vision of what they were there for at the highest level, which is possibility. And he said, of course, if you'd given a terrible concert last night, you probably would have all come home and gone straight to bed. True, huh? Oh, man, we, were, we really called that one in. And let's go hide in our rooms. But no. He said, it was precisely your exhilaration at having participated with so many people in great music make making that resulted in four kids that were up on the roof. 
It's just surprising that they didn't float any higher on sheer energy. But does waking the hotel guests at night represent the gift we want to bring to the Brazilian people? Obviously not. We got off track. You have to know where the track is to get back on, and you've all just expressed that beautifully. So what he did is he set him up about possibility in the language. Here's why we're here. And, you know, we might have forgotten, but we don't have to beat ourselves up. Let's just get back on track. So he said that two of the kids volunteered to write letters of apology to those that had been disturbed at the hotel. So they made amends. Hey, we're sorry. We were so excited. We, and we, we, you know, we're sorry that we kept you up. Others thought of additional ways to brighten the image of the people of San Paulo, the brighten their image to the people of San Paulo, <clears throat> the ones who felt blamed or made wrong. We left the auditorium with everyone in high spirits, ready to give two invigorating concerts. And just as I was leaving the hall, one of the chaperones said, but you didn't punish anybody. And then he added it as an afterthought, though I don't suppose they would be in any mood to give another great Mahler performance if you had. And really, I don't think we will have to worry about them again. But I mean, it was such a teachable moment, so beautiful. So where in our lives were we going off the rails? And then that becomes our story. We're saying, well, what's, why are we here? Why are we here? Why, are we ta- why have we taken life? We are the, we are the individualized expressions of, to, to express the glory of God. We really are. And that's not a burden. That's not a responsibility. That's the truth of our being. And that's to, so God can play. When we play, God plays. When we celebrate the music, God celebrates the music. Because God's not a personality, it's a principle, it's an energetic. It's so hard to get that, isn't it? So it's a beautiful thing. So he's talking about vision. A vision is a powerful, I've got a slide here for you. A vision <clears throat> not that one. Mm-hmm. A powerful framework to take the operation of an organization or any size from the downward spiral into the arena of possibility. So what is, why are we here? Why, why as a community are we here? Why, and why as a, a person are you here? And a lot, you know, there are things we do. We get up today, we go to work. Well, you know, we, we, we do those things. But also, what's the, 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 the vision of possibility upon that? So he talks about a vision. A vision articulates a possibility. It fulfills a desired fundamental to humankind. I'll slow down here. I'll go back and read them with the first one on the vision. Nope, the next one. Mm -hmm. It articulates a possibility. Not something that's here now, but what's possible. It fulfills a desired fundamental to humankind. We're a philosophy of oneness, but there's something that is longing to be fulfilled by our humanity. I remember a few weeks back, we did that video of the guy talking. It was uh, Bishop Spong. He said, God's not a Christian. God's not a Buddhist. God's not a Hindu. What we're here is so God can have greater expression through our humanity. So then what we do as human beings is a reflection of the very thing that we are. There makes no reference to morality or ethics. It's not about right or wrong. Just like these kids. Let's go in there and punish them. <clears throat> well, is that why we're here? We bring a bunch of kids down here that have dedicated their life, their short life so far, to be musicians, and then we bring them here, and then we shame them and humiliate them? But it's, see, in a vision. So he spoke to the vision. Why are we here? Why did we come here? It's stated, the vision is stated as a picture. It contains no specifics of time, place, audience, or product. We are of, our vision is a vibrant spiritual community. 
which means it's alive with possibility. It means it's alive with resources. It's alive with creativity and opportunity to make a difference in the world. I was just speaking to someone before. I'm reading Chris Hatfield's book, and this week I met someone that says, oh, would you like to have him come and speak sometime at your center? I said, are you kidding? I'd love to have him. I said, can you get him here? He says, I'm I'm working on it. And and then we, we had a little discussion right before this service started about what that might look like. And it's exciting because he's an amazing story about him. He was the first Canadian astronaut. And the, the chances of him doing that are amazing. His book's wonderful. But anyway, so there's possibility. Welcoming and, 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 and what a great statement for the greater community about what we support and what we stand for as well. All right, so a vision continues. A vision is freestanding. Stands alone, a vibrant spiritual community. Doesn't have anything to do with making anybody right or wrong. Doesn't have anything to do with a product. It's, it's a, it is a long line of possibilities radiating outward. So what would that look like if we were a vibrant spiritual community? What would we do? What kind of programs would we have? We have some now that are great, but what's waiting to, 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 for our opportunity for the greater yet to be? It invites infinite expression, development, and proliferation. See, what it does is it continues to stretch us so that we learn and grow. We are here to learn and grow. All of us. And it's in speaking a vision, transform the speaker. We are transformed by speaking it. We are a vibrant spiritual community to teach and live from love. We're working right now as an organization, as a community, to, to identify um, a big, hairy, audacious goal, which is from good to great. And so we're working with it in some committees right now, and we're, then we're going to invite the community to be part of that and see if this vision and mission are still who we want to be in the world. What are we called to do? Because consciousness changes. That's a wonderful vision statement, but is it still alive for us? So let's see, let's tap into the riches and the genius of the collective and see what wants to be expressed. And it takes time to prepare the field of consciousness. So with that in mind, talking about vision and possibility, so before, um, I'm gonna invite you to come up in a moment, but I'll give you the signal. We've got tiles all lined up along the the platform here, little white two-by-two tiles. And this is our clean slate ceremony. So when people used to live, leave prison in, back in Roman days, they were given a clean slate. They paid, they paid their debt, and they were, they were free of all of that that went along with it. They were given a clean slate. And so I love that tradition, and every year we've done this for a number of years now, we have these little two-by-two two tiles. And I'm gonna invite you this year to take two of them, one that you're going to fill out and leave here, and one that you're gonna take home with you. And typically, well, it would be the same word, something that's rich. If you don't have your word yet, work with it. Take your tiles with you and work with it and see what bubbles up for you. I'm going to guide you in a moment here to a guided meditation about what might uh, create this field, just like Xander did with these children. He created a field of, of celebration and reminding people of the vision. He did, wasn't there to blame and shame He was there to say, why are we here? Why are you and I here in this form, this point in time, doing this thing? See, it doesn't take thousands of people to believe in possibility and give birth. It just takes takes two, as it says in Scripture. Where the two or more are in agreement, it is done. That's how powerful we are. And when we partner with someone, it's even more powerful. So what I'm going to invite you in a moment to do... Um, in fact, I'll, I'll invite you to do it right now is come forward and I'll take plenty of time. We actually have a beautiful piece of music I didn't know that Anna, I'm going to share with you the Marianne Williamson um, um, saying that Nelson Mandela used years ago in his famous speech. 
And Anna actually wrote, Anna Bowman, our Anna, who's here today, actually wrote a song uh, to, to this. And so between the services, she said, you know, I have a song, and it's a free download on my website, and we should play that. So Bill downloaded it between services, and we're going to play that right now while you come up and uh, pick up two tiles. And you already have your, your, um, your yarn. So what are you going to do with the yarn? You're going to tie it around one of the tiles. You're going to tie it like a package where you go around one way and then you go around the other way. And you're going to tie it because we have, we're going to weave this into a tapestry that Noreen Finley's working on for us. And we're going to hang the tapestry here with all the tiles and all the intention words. She also said to tell me that if you have something at home that you're no longer wearing but would like to uh, donate here, we're going to tear it into shreds and use that part of the weave. Or if you have yarn at home that you'd like, one of the colors. So I think it's a beautiful idea. The loom will be here next week, she tells me, whatever that looks like. So one tile you'll tie the, the uh, yarn around and leave here to be woven, and the other you'll take home as your touchstone. So I'm going to invite you as we start the music, cue up the Anna's song, to come up and take two tiles back to your seat with you. If you have someone that you know, people call me this week saying, would you have tiles next week? Yes, we'll have tiles for several weeks. So if you need an extra tile or you, you know, we know that everyone's not here on the same week. Um, just because, but next week we'll charge $20 a tile, just so you know, so we can, so we can punish them, of course. And uh, no, they'll be available. So we have uh, plenty more in the, in the back. But we wanted to make sure we had enough for today. And uh, to bring it back, if, as I say, if you don't have the words not alive for you yet, it doesn't inspire you or bring you to life, then work with it. Let it be part of your spiritual practice every day. And you can come in at any time with that tile, and we'll, put, we'll make sure we weave it into the tapestry. I love that, I love that idea of weaving it together as a tapestry, and that we, we, we uh, center some of our prayer work around that and supporting those qualities within ourselves. You know, a word that stretches us into something that is perhaps bigger than we could possibly imagine. What would that be? You know, my word this year is freedom. And, and, I, I, and I, I, uh, there's a lot of things underneath that, that that are alive for me, like purification, which means that I want to put down all these little ideas I have of ha- having to please everyone. It's not that I don't want to respect everyone, but I want to be, be true to myself and also honor people's good opinions, as Ralph Waldo Emerson said. You know, the, the blessings of that, to, live, to, to move on this planet in freedom, of, on trusting oneself and trusting the God presence within oneself, to know that everything, all the resources required for the success of this moment are here now. Those type of things. And I'm not t- t- trying to t- uh, talk you into that being your word, but I'm just using it as an example, what that means to me at the deepest levels of being. So then on a Tuesday morning, I get up and I'm a bit rushed and I start to make habitual de- decisions that in the past I've always done because that's the way I've always done it, to ask myself, is this providing me greater freedom? Is this my way of being and my way of thinking creating greater freedom for me and for God as I know it? And so I'm gonna invite you to take a tile in each hand I'm going to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. The the most beautiful place to vision from is the third kingdom of creation, of co-creation. And I'm going to invite you to just simply take a deep breath, relax, let go. Nothing to do this moment but be present with yourself. I'm going to invite you to bring your awareness to your heart chakra, that energy center that lives in in our, our chest cavity. 
And as you bring your awareness to it, it is activated. It is that simple. Feel your heart beating as you breathe, letting go. When we activate that heart chakra, love becomes our experience. And in that love experience, think of a happy memory you have, something that brings joy to you, whatever it is. And let that expand. Let your way of being in this moment be one of joy, happiness, celebration. If there's anyone that comes to mind, yourself or others, that you feel like love should be withheld or happiness should be withheld, just dissolve it into the heart of unconditional love. Very powerful spiritual practice. Someone that has really done something in your life that may come into your awareness, dissolve them into the heart of unconditional love. It doesn't mean we approve of it. It just means they no longer have power over us. We put it down because we are so much more than that experience. No more, no more of that language of, of that downward spiral that they could in any way take anything away from us that is not true and precious. So I, we forgive in this moment. The pathway to the third kingdom is gratitude and forgiveness. I am so grateful for, and you can fill in the blank, I am so grateful for the chair I sit on, the car, that, the bus, the taxi, whatever that brought me here today, that when I go out and turn the key, will start and take me home to that warm cup of coffee or milk or tea or whatever you had this morning. So in gratitude, I invite you to thank your higher wisdom self for guiding you to your perfect word the word that will inform and remind you and resource you throughout 2016. And to know that whatever it may be, whatever that experience is, it's alive within you and it bubbles up to make the space for that. As Anna's beautiful song just expressed, I'll read the words to you from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are born to make manifest the glory of God within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in every one of us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And so I just give thanks that this divine guidance, this higher wisdom self continues to guide each and every one of us in this experience of oneness to celebrate our light and to see it and let it shine forth and see it in others. So I'm going to invite you to slowly come back to the room and open your eyes. Anna's going to share another song with us as we do our, our offering today and our beautiful musicians are coming back up on the platform.